Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Snapshot episode 55. I'm Brendan Patrick, joined always by Marvel Snap Phenom, KM Best. KM, your week in Marvel Snap, sir. It was a little bit tough to deal with for me personally because the metagame got so ridiculously, incredibly blob heavy. And that is fine if it weren't for the fact that the best blob deck is Thanos, the best Thanos deck is Thanos Lockjaw, which is my least favorite version of Thanos to play. And so I just ended up not enjoying the metagame too, too much. It, it I, Maybe it's just like a, a function of me having not figured out how to have a huge edge in Thanos mirrors, or maybe it's a function of them being a little bit more RNG oriented than your typical mirrors because of the bigger deck sizes and the big hits that you can really get that boost your win rate very high when you're playing against someone else. But I think generally I have found that I tend to enjoy different kinds of decks more than I enjoy playing Thanos. And that means that this has been a pretty tough metagame for me personally. I did take a few days off and finished the Wheel of Time. Uh, I, I believe I was on like book nine or ten. I think I was on Winter's Heart. So that's, I think I want to say that's ten or eleven, but I, I don't know the orders. I just like they're all the same book to me, if that makes any sense. And uh, I I was like reading it and I was like sucked back in and then things kept happening and I couldn't put the book down. And so I stayed up for 36 hours trying to finish it, was unable to finish it in that 36 hours, but I did finish it uh, a little bit later. So if you're wondering what I've been doing, that's that's what I've been doing. I, I mean, I'm still like, you know, top 50 or whatever. But I just definitely haven't been playing as much as I normally would in a period of time like this. Yeah, that's a notoriously long series. Um, actually, had a friend recently asked for fantasy book recommendations. I think he was reading some some book, Mistborn book, or one of the ones I don't know if I think it was in the the later yeah. series or whatever. Um, and there's one that I recommended him. It's not a he asked for a standalone book, but I recommend a trilogy, and that's the First Law trilogy by Joe Abercrombie. Have you read that before? Mm, no, but I think you've recommended it. Okay, well, you before, should read actually. it. It's very probably very different from Wheel of Time. It's um, it's pretty dark, but fantasy, and uh, I mean, it's just amazing. Honestly, it's like my favorite fantasy book of all time. Series of books, multiple books, but highly recommend that. If you finished Wheel of Time, you're looking for something else. I, I the thing is, I'm not looking for something else because like I I am like this is like a thing that happens to me every so often. But like once I start a story and I it hits me and it hooks me, I can't do anything else. Mm. Like I when I said I stayed up 36 hours, that was not something that like I ran by my girlfriend. She just woke up and was like, oh, my God, you're still fucking awake. Like, this is like the kind of thing that like legitimately disrupts my lifestyle. It's fun and cool and I love doing it, but I am not looking for that. Uh, it, when it happens, it happens and that's cool. The last time I think it happened before this was the web novel Worm, which is approximately two million words. And I basically read it for like 12 hours a day every every day for a week. Like that's that's pretty much what happens. Like I, I I am unable to not do that. It is what I would describe as a bender. Like this is a I would I would say a fairly unhealthy method of engaging with it. And it doesn't happen often, but it does happen. This is I think the first time it's happened since I've been street. Mm. So I'll, I'll 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 come to that. It is it is just like the kind of thing that I will do sometimes, where it's just like that is happening. One time when I was younger, I was lucky enough to go on vacation to Hawaii. And the entire time I was in Hawaii, all I did was sit on the beach and read the uh, Song of Ice and Fire novels. And I'll tell you what, that was more than a decade ago. And they're still at the novel that I read at the time. So <laughs> there, there you go. All right. Um, yeah, like that. This is a thing like at various points in my life, it will just be like an entire week get sucked into a book. That's that's pretty much how it goes. Mm. All right. Well, into the news, we had Hercules release. Hercules is a four six. Says the first time another card moves here each turn, move it to another location. You and I had our monthly predictions on this card, which we rated quite lowly. Uh, rated quite low. Uh, now that you've had a chance to experience it, where does it land for you? Uh, low. Yeah. But like not unusable. Like he's a five. Like I didn't expect him to make the cut and move decks, but I think he does actually. Mm. So he's better than I thought. There's like two things that they could fix that would actually make him good. And they're kind of both the same thing. And what he needs to be to be good is 
he needs to work on more than just the first card that goes in there per turn. Mm -hmm. That's it. He needs to work on more than just the first card. I don't know why he only works on the first card. It's ridiculous, but he needs to not be like that. Mm -hmm. And that would be a very easy lever to pull, in my opinion. Yeah. So last week we had Alex on. We spoke extensively on the upcoming patch. So we were talking about this patch before it came out. Now the patch has hit. I mean, you've already mentioned a bit of the meta implications with Thanos becoming um, one of the best decks, if not the best deck. Just talk to me about some of the other implications regarding these nerfs. When um, specifically, no, there's no other implications. Okay, nothing. What about Thanos? How would you describe the current state of like cards like Loki, Miss Marvel, and Nihilus? Is Bounce is dead as we talked about? Like, is there anything else to sort of dive in there? So one of the things I've been banging the drum on a lot lately, and if you listen to my other content, you've maybe already heard this, but I, I keep coming back to it and I keep refining it is how I would phrase it. The reason something like like if you look at the progression of the metagame that has happened, uh, cards that have gotten completely obliterated mm -hmm. include Angela, the Collector, Werewolf by Night, Elsa Bloodstone. Those are the premier early scaling threats in the entire game. And when you get rid of those cards, you remove the incentive to do anything other than just play the cards that have the best numbers on them, right? So you just play the card that has the best numbers on it. And I think Miss Marvel was like an example of like how far we've come in terms of not, there's just like nothing to do in the early game. What are you going to do? You're just going to like play a guy and that's fine. But like we used to have actual stuff you could do in the early game that would matter later. And now we don't. It's like Zabu and that's it. <laughs> that's that's what you're doing and because of that we're in this situation where like the only things that matter are the overwhelming giant haymakers miss marvel who is basically dr doom blob like these cards that are just like big giant insane dorks are the only things that really matter right now mm. and it's those cards and then the tech cards against them and that's what the meta is and so you're in this weird situation if you're a developer, because like, I don't think I, I think they they made a conscious choice mm -hmm. to get rid of those early scalers. I think they were like, look at how much weight each of those are pulling in every deck in the metagame. What if we made that not happen? But I don't know if they thought about what the implications of that would be. And the implications of that to me are what we have now, which just like kind of sucks. Like, it's just mm. it's just sucky. It's just, it's just, oh, here's the biggest possible guy. No interacting with it. Sorry. Yeah. So it's that lack of interaction that is why it sucks. Cause I've seen, you know, I don't really look at Marvel's on Twitter too much because I don't engage with Twitter that, man, that often. Hold on. I'll, hold on. I gotta, I gotta actually stop you there. It's not the lack of interaction that sucks. It's the fact that it's good that sucks. Okay. Like yeah. I wanna be, I wanna be, I wanna be, I wanna be 100% on that. Like one of the things I've noticed is that people will, because they know that people that like everyone else knows that if you're like complaining about something, it needs to be for reasons more than I lost to this. Uh, they like make up justifications for it. Mm -hmm. Like with Loki, it's like, oh, I just hate having my deck played better than me. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. No, you don't. You hate that you lose. Shut up. With Blob and Elioth, I think there were legitimate gameplay concerns. But if you want to go back to me and say like, you know, I hate you just hate that you lose. Shut up. That's fine. But I think I, I will outline those those gameplay concerns. And they are those are cards that turn the entire game into a coin flip on the final turn of the game. Mm. Where does the blob go? Where does the Eliath go? That is unpleasant for similar reasons as Galacticism. Well, yeah. And I don't like that. And it is actually, I will be honest enough here. The reason I don't like it is because it beats me. <laughs> that's why i don't like it uh but also it's because it strips a lot of the card game bits away from the game and turns it into much more of a gambling game mm -hmm. lockjaw where's the blob going it's just it's all this and it's all on the final turn and it's just this whole it feels so much less like a card game and so much more like a betting game and I tend to prefer Marvel Snap when it is more like a card game, even if that involves the card Loki that was preferable to me personally. Yeah, it's funny because the question I was actually going to ask, um, but didn't get to was just to have you distill down what it means like when you say it yes. sucks. And, and yeah, so that's it. Yeah. yeah. So in regards to Thanos, I mean, I've seen seen more negative sentiment about this metagame. And it's a very early, like, very new metagame at that um, than I have 
I think, you know, it could be recency bias, but then I usually see. It seems like a lot of people are like, oh, no, the Thanos lockdown well, is here. Yeah, because it sucks. <laughs> Like, it, it's also, it's not just that it sucks. It's that Loki was only really ever a problem at high ELO, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas Thanos Lockjaw, it's a problem everywhere, right? You're not going to be, like, unable to play Thanos Lockjaw. It doesn't require of you what Loki required of you, right? This is a deck that is, like, when you sort by untapped, it's just, like, eight of the top ten lists post-infinite, right? Loki was never that because only, like, the top 100 players were using it, right? Like... This is a deck that is dominant across all levels of play. And so everyone is able like like sometimes I'll post a Loki list back in the day and people will be like, I don't even see Loki. What are you talking about? What do you mean? This is OP. And with Thanos, there's, there's like no, not even a question. Mm -hmm. I would say probably like half my games today were against Thanos. Mm -hmm. It's like, OK, that's, you know, I, I could deal with it. I just I built a Loki deck. Right. Mm -hmm. and I was like, I hope this works. And it, it, went, it went fine. But. It's it's just uh, it's a deck that is so gamble heavy that it makes me dis. It sort of fundamentally shifts what I like about Marvel Snap out of the out of it. It's mm -hmm. there's just so many, you know, snap on a sixty seven percent or oh I got unlucky kind of things that happen in and I think that like that is a fine part of the game. I tend to prefer it when it is more like a card game though and less like roulette. Mm. Well, speaking of banging the drum, we were banging the drum on Quake last week, even went so far as to call it the potentially five cost or two cost Legion. Um, how do you feel about this card after the? I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. She's fine. I was wrong. I, I was I 100% I incorrect. I was an idiot. Uh, they're smarter than me. I actually like wanted to contact them and be like, please don't do this Quake thing. I was wrong. They were right. I'm an idiot. Mm. So 100%, 100% I'm wrong. What? It's a fine card. Yeah. So do you think that has anything to do with the meta or you just think overall you just kind of missed the yes. evaluation? Of no, that? I mean, I like, okay, I, I will clarify what I said about Quake, which was, I think she'll have a sort of black knight trajectory, meaning it'll take time before we're in a meta where she makes sense. Right. And I think that is still true. And yes, I think it has a lot to do with the meta because right now, I mean, like, fucking look at it, dude. When are you playing Quake in your Thanos deck? The turn you're playing Blob? It, and so, like, because so much of the meta is that and because in the face of overwhelming power, you know, an infinite Ghost Rider, a Blob, things like that, like, those are the common things you see in the metagame. These are overwhelmingly powerful things. Quake has a lot less opportunity to be good. Quake is good in mid-range mirrors where those small edges from the locations are really important. And we are not in one of those metagames right now. I'm not saying she will never be good. I think she definitely has the potential to be that. But she is not built for this is, is how I would say it. I just I don't want people to think that I'm trying to skate on being wrong about her. So I'm going to accept the L and I'm also going to explain why that might not be like a total L in the future. But right now, I'll hold that L. I think I think that's on me. And I did. I will give myself credit. I did say I think it would be a slow burn. I think we're not going into a meta that's good for her right now because I did expect this to be a Thanos and Black Knight meta. But I expected her to be like at least kind of functional in those Black Knight decks. And right now, I just don't think she's that good. I play her in my Black Knight, but she's like the world's most replaceable card. And I, I just don't really think that she has a good home right now. She's in a meta where like Silky Smooth is running around. That Silk Brood meta. That's mm -hmm. the kind of card she's in. Those early Loki decks would have loved her, right? Like, but in a meta where people are playing 640s, like what's going to move and what's moving a negative zone over there going to do? <laughs> like, it's uh, it's hard. It's partly because the decks she goes in are not very good right now, and partly because the decks she doesn't go in are very good right now. But it's also possible that I just missed high on her. Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see the future trajectory of that card in particular. It seems it seems like it has powerful fundamentals, but you know, maybe the conditions. Are I right. would agree with that. Yeah. All right. Well, on to our Ben and Snap session. We had over 100 comments, so there, we couldn't get to all of them, obviously. Oh, my God. Um, the first one is people love Alex. We they, love Alex. They do love Alex. First one is from Mix and Love. They say, I really like the card recommendation, uh, nerf versus buff discussion. Uh, card, yeah, I think this is a result of the weekly single card release schedule. Imagine that all the cards 
for the quarter are released as an expansion at once. What this means, one, internal playtesting will be easier because SD won't have to make sure the meta is not frustrating week over week. Two, it gives both content creators and players more freedom to craft and deck build with all the tools at once. Three, big spenders can have all the tools at once. Small, small spenders can wait longer for the meta to settle. Four, SD um, does not have to be as frequent with the nurse and buffs as with all the tools available. Uh, meta, The meta has a higher chance of being self-balancing. Five, players can feel better about committing resources because the nerf slash the nerfs and buffs don't have to be as frequent. So I think they view the frequent nerfs and buffs as a feature, not yeah. a bug. And I like, do I do think it is a feature too. It is a feature, not a bug, right? Like it is something that like you've been in other card games where they just let it sit. Yeah, like let this awful long. bullshit sit in the metagame for like six months. And yeah, I know someone out there would be like, well, what if they just didn't let the awful bullshit sit? But it's like you need a schedule to make that happen. You need a points like like the fact that right now we can be like, okay, the longest blob is gonna last is February is a goddamn blessing. <laughs> like the longest possible this guy is gonna make it is like February third unless they really fuck up. That's amazing. Like it, it, count your blessings on that. I I think that this is something that will never happen. I think they view their content uh, thing as superior to the old style of content releases. And I think they are probably accurate about that. Mm -hmm. I think what they do is taking better care of the metagame than any other card game I've ever played. However, I think the issue is that it is incongruous with how their monetization works. And for that, I would rather fix the monetization side in, rather than trying to fix the thing that's actually good. I think trying to make the release schedule work with how they do monetization and make balance work with how they do monetization. The issue is the monetization, not the other stuff. The other stuff's great. Keep that. Mm. I mean, I have to agree with all of that. Um, one thing I'll say is that they could experiment with some sort of cluster releases, maybe not in replacement of the current card release schedule and the current way the game works, but maybe as a as a quarterly release or a, some sort of seasonal release where they release multiple cards at once. Because I do remember, uh, I don't know if it's early on global release when they released all of those cards, like uh, I think it was like She-Hulk and uh, Thanos yeah. was one of them. Yeah, that was really cool because you get a lot of you get a lot of tools. I think what players of Marvel Snap maybe don't appreciate. Uh, about Marvel Snap that happens a lot in other games is when other games come out with expansions, you get a shitload of tools. You really do. The problem is that a lot of them don't matter because <laughs> the best most stuff, of them yeah, don't matter. The best stuff just percolates to the top, and then everything else becomes completely irrelevant. And then you're stuck with that. You're basically stuck with a what is similar to a single card release, but for now for six months. It's like uh, it's like way worse in my opinion. Um, I do like the week. Yeah. I do like the weekly card release. Um, and I do like OTAs and I do like patches. Uh, even if even if it is incongruous with the with the the monetization system, it is the best feature about this game when it yeah. from other card games. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I agree. On to the next one from Will Stoll. They say on the thermocline issue, this is a standard business sustainability practice that is typically used to identify. There is a standard uh, business sustainability practice that is used to typically identify these these things. However, when you have public companies like Blizzard, which was also positioning for acquisition, or companies like Second Dinner that are climbing out of development and licen licensing liabilities, while also positioning for a Series B funding round, sustainability is ignored. In in, in the short term to inflate short term evaluation slash revenue numbers. This practice has become very, very common in the gaming industry and it signals a cooling industry, potentially a bubble if it continues, that will eventually harm the industry and the gamers within the market. So this is about a topic we talked about um, last week, which is the, the thermocline issue. This is like where they make, they're making decisions that, you know, us as a player base, they're, they're, they're not beneficial to us, but we keep engaging with the system. The system just perpetuates more. It only becomes more optimized. And then there's ultimately this inflection point where there's a falling out. Um, it's like what Will's saying is there is actually a, a, a practice that you know they try to recognize these things, but sometimes I guess it gets tossed out because of this need to sort of grow and um, have money in the early Well, I mean, days. He, 
he named two specific situations in which that would make sense. And like when you phrase it like that, it actually does make sense, right? Like you're looking for a Series B funding round. You want to be able to say, hey, here's here's the returns we're getting. You want to be able to go to them and be like, hey, look at this shit, dude. We are absolutely crushing it. <laughs> and it is probably correct not to care about the long term sustainability. But at some point, that pivot has to happen. Yeah, I think it's easy to lose sight of that as you just kind of keep grinding, keep grinding harder right. and just keep trying to be bigger and better. Um, I really picked out this comment because I thought it was very well articulated as sort of a- It sounds very smart, yeah. honestly. Like, I, it sounds like someone who knows what they're talking about, but I don't know enough about it to know if they actually do. <laughs> so it's like, a, it's like that, that, that bit and it's always sunny where Mac goes like, that doesn't sound right, but I don't know enough about stars to dispute it, except in reverse. It's like, that does sound right, but I don't know enough about this subject to know if it is. Mm-hmm. All right, next one is Warlorm. They say, hey guys, question. What if Angel saves the card that was going to be destroyed and balance it to wherever, wherever Angel was in the deck or in hand, dying in its place? That card seems really good. Yeah. Would it be too powerful? Yeah, I mean, question? it's just get out of Shang-Chi for free. Yeah, but if it happens on the last turn, then it doesn't really have the effect, right? So if it happens on turn six, it wouldn't have the effect because it bounces back to hand. Oh, yeah. It back to, oh, okay. I actually ran it the way you, you interpreted it the first time, actually. So it actually seems relatively balanced on the second interpretation. Interesting. I kind of like that. I, uh... Would that enable anything too stupid? Like reusing would would die in its place, so you wouldn't get to reuse any death triggers. You just like get to, like pump a venom or what? How I'm trying to think of, like how would I abuse that? Yeah. I think how would I abuse that is like eat something large with a venom. Do you still get the points? If you don't get the points, and Angel dies instead, there's maybe no way to abuse that. That's a really interesting card. I, I like it. I, I like the design a lot. And I actually, I also can't think of a way that it would be overwhelmingly powerful. Yeah. Because if it does go back to deck, where they'll say Angel's jumping out of the deck, I mean, it's effectively like it being destroyed. Um, especially if it's the later turns in the games. Turn six, it wouldn't matter. And if it comes back to hand, I mean, that's a huge tempo loss still, right? You now have a one-two, or it, in this case, it said it was being destroyed. But even if it stayed on board, you'd have a one-two and your X-10 or whatever is now in your hand. That's not a good, that's not a good exchange for you. It's just slightly better than your X-10 being destroyed potentially destroyed so yeah i like it next one is from gungrave they say for card acquisition and game currency discussion have they considered disconnecting gold and the dollar like having all the bundles variants and commodity be sold in two options of gold and real money not offering gold in exchange for dollars so this is an interesting wait wait hold on please Please repeat that. I'm not sure I understood it. Basically, what they're saying is they want everything to be priced in the in either gold or dollars. So it's like there's an equivalent pricing going on there, and they want you to not purchase gold with dollars. So acquiring gold through whatever means, and then why? What what problem would that solve? Well, I think that what the oh. What you're saying is you want like everything to have a dollar equivalent yeah. on it. Yeah. And oh, I mean, yeah, that would be awesome, but they're never going to do that. The reason these currencies exist is reason. because their their job is to make tr- make you feel like you're not spending as much money as you are. Zero percent chance they get rid of that. Sorry. Yeah, I'm not like, sure. I, you're right. It would be cool if we had that equivalent, but they're, the, the whole point of having those currencies is to obfuscate your exchanges please second dinner i need i need more currencies i need to do derivative swaps on the value of gold i need a crypto coin that lets me roll a 25 percent chance at getting a new card i need i need more currencies i want to never know how much money i'm spending i want to have no clue just hook me up to your my bank account and just just go and just let things happen I mean, you basically have that with spotlight caches. Spotlight caches are, are a form of currency, and they are, yeah. in an essence... Now there's spot- no, there's, there's caches, there's keys, there's yeah. gold, there's credits, there's boosters, and all of it is to keep you from noticing how expensive stuff. Yeah, that's that's why I picked this out. Is I'm not sure if everybody's aware of that, but like these are these are actual these tactics are intentional, um, and they yeah. are designed to. Uh, to harm you. They are actually only designed to harm you. There is no actual benefit to the end user to obfuscate. Well, okay. The benefit to the end user is number go up. Like there is some dopamine benefits there, right? But that by the same token, (laughs) they're trying to turn that dopamine benefit into more money for 
Yeah, I'm sure we could uh, identify a lot of dopamine inducers that are not beneficial to humans. Um, yeah, but I think we can think of some that are, you know, like heroin. That yeah, one's yeah, cool. That one's good. Uh, yeah. 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 So, yeah, that that's the thing is like all these. Mo- so there's also from what I understand, which is very little So going back to the always sunny, uh, the always sunny reference. <laughs> uh, there's also some legality stuff that happens with this. Like when they obfuscate the currency, they can get past like some sort of um, some sort of regulations and limitations that they could have, you know, you purchasing potentially random products for a dollar value or something like that. Um, something that, like there's something that was happening with, with like booster packs and the idea of opening random things yeah. and like gambling. That's like not okay. Um, anyway, but yeah, all of that system is actually designed just to hurt you as a consumer. So be careful and they will never change that. You are correct. <laughs> And it would be great. All right. Last one is from Jesse. They say on the new patch, too many nerfs in the last couple months and with no refunds, how can new slash small players trust that their purchases won't be made worthless in a few weeks? There's a reason buying with tokens says no refunds. Maybe that needs to change refund and let people rebuy the card if they're okay with the nerf. So second dinners have this policy for the genesis of the game. And I was okay with it at the beginning. It was like, there's no refunds. It's not like Hearthstone. You can't cast things out for dust. Uh, you're not going to get a refund and whatever you use to craft the card. At this stage of the game, I no longer am okay with that system. I think it should absolutely be considering <laughs> refunds because that would solve a lot of the tension. Like if they're not willing to budge on um, on card acquisition, price of the game, like all this stuff we have problems with, at least helping out some of these players that are saving up months, they buy their card because it's absolutely dominant in the meta. And the next week it just gets, and like th- you use this word cam, I think it's accurate, obliterated. That is that, Ooh, that is a good way. Obliterate. That is a way to describe some of these cards that were previously the best cards in the game. Like it is so rough. Yeah, and I think the issue is they're like it's being exacerbated by the fact that they keep fucking making shit that's too good. <laughs> it's like what the fourth month now of just like oh my god, this new card is fucked up right we had a uh, loki elsa miss marvel blob they're just fucking four four straight months of just like oh jesus christ right not even mentioning werewolf's brief reign there just just like and if you bought all those cards right now congratulations you have one of them that's good and another one that's okay <laughs> it's uh it's it's an awkward situation because i think what they do is they like go out of their way to like, all right, we're going to buff some of these cards that are bad. We're going to mm-hmm. nerf some of these cards that are good. But I don't know a better way to say it other than like they used to be better at it. Like they used to not obliterate shit. Yeah. Like this, this used to be a non-common occurrence. And for me, the, the inflection point is when Mobius, right? When that Mobius change came down, it's just like, holy shit, are you guys serious? And since then, there's been so many Mobiuses that have happened. Angela goes to like 100% unplayable. Uh, Elsa goes to like 100% unplayable. Werewolf goes to like 100% unplayable. Or not 100% unplayable, but like it, like you bought Werewolf only to be an efficient stat stick and they made him not that. You know what I mean? Like that is... It's... I think th- you can't do refunds for everything, but there are these changes that fundamentally change the purchase of the card as an uh, uh, like it, it you would not have made that purchase under these circumstances and a lot of the super spiky try hard cards fall under that right and i worry about what they're gonna do with blob right how do you nerf blob and make him, him bro. like I mean, like how do you just you just make him fucking suck and then it's like well what are we doing here right yeah, like he just he just caught he just destroys the next card and gets the next card yeah it's not a process shit. like Eliath where they arrive at a, a design that's actually very good and still lets you keep the fantasy and it's still a good card right like it's not like that there's a lot more uh, like, I, God help me. This is going to sound like an, an out of touch asshole thing to say what they did with Eliath and Loki. They should keep doing that. Take your fucking time before just like dropping the hammer. But go slow. All right. And I get it. Like people are going to yell, be like, oh, they didn't do enough. But like, go slow and keep these cards as close to where they are as possible and try to move downward would be my advice. Yeah. I mean, there's really not much else that can, that can be said that, like, I really feel like we're getting close to the point where we just need to hit Marvel Snap, like, 2.0, where we revamp 
the card acquisition system and keep the essence of what makes the game so awesome in regards to metagame and especially in regards to that the, the flux of the metagame how dynamic it is because that's what makes marvel snap what it is that's why no other honestly no there is no other card game there really is no other card game that does that specifically there is no other card game that has a metagame that is that dynamic and is, is that shifting so yeah yep don't change that part. I, I worry that they're going to get all the negative feedback because I worry that they would they hear a lot of negative feedback regarding obliterating these cards and they're like, we can't nerf cards like this anymore. We got to We well, no, that would be the correct thing to hear. You can't nerf cards like, like that, this yeah. anymore. <laughs> like you can't just take a fucking hammer to this shit. You got like I I I like again. A lot of this is I think they made a coherent choice like what they did with miss marvel that's great mm -hmm. i'm a big fan of that that's a good nerf that is keeping her who you bought her to be what they did with werewolf is just be like uh this guy that was the best card in the game now he's like the 50th best card in the game suck it <laughs> <laughs> that sucks so i i just like i like i they need to take a lighter touch with these meta defining cards granted i do think werewolf put them in an awkward position because he was very clearly tested during a meta game where elsa and loki were elsa and loki mm -hmm. and so like the, he can't he comes out after they've been nerfed and it's like oh well this is clearly a problem <laughs> like i do think he was clearly a problem to a very significant degree but it's like okay maybe give him a couple extra points of power if you're gonna like go nuts on the guy right like maybe make him like a four five or a four six or something right mm -hmm. like it, at least then he's like a very very above rate four drop instead of being a very above rate three drop and in case it's not clear being a really far above rate three drop is twice as good as being a really far above rate four drop mm -hmm. which is not a good as good as being an above rate two drop yeah. Like, yeah like yeah. The, the the cheaper you are as like an x infinity right like elsa was like a 217 werewolf was like a 317 things like that the cheaper you are the better you are mm -hmm. absolutely all right well that concludes the our listener question section our bend and snap as we like to call if you want to get your question read out next week's podcast you can shoot us a comment on youtube again we had a lot of comments on last week's episodes we weren't able to get to all of them let's talk about Thanos. <laughs> Let's just talk about the list. Okay. Hey, I have your list, which is Jeff, Lockjaw, Kyra, Wave, Shang-Chi, Devil Dinosaur, Leech, Vision, Blob, Thanos, Scar, Mag, Nito. I mean, can you just give people... I know you talked about sort of the lack of skill expression or play expression there that exists in this deck at the, at the top of the pod, but can you impart some knowledge and some tips in regards to how to pile this deck, specifically in the mirror for people are facing a lot of that? Uh, do your best to draw the cards Lockjaw and Blob and then some stones to put in the Lockjaw. And 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 uh, yeah, that's pretty much how you do it. Mm. Is there any nuance past that? Boy! <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, here's the thing. No, the Thanos mirror is... I mean, I guess the answer is yes, but it's like... There's like Magneto plays you can make, but like most of the game is just determined by like who did the stupid stuff. And I find that distasteful. <laughs> uh, like it's not the worst thing of all time. Uh, I, I really think a lot of Thanos mirrors are just one in deck building as opposed to anywhere else. Mm. And that is unfortunate, but probably true. And they're one in deck building and on the early turns of the game because like Thanos can clunk or Thanos can go off. Right. And so if you're the clunker and you match up into someone who's going off, well, you're just dead. If you're the go offer and you match up into someone who's going off, well, who's going off harder. And it, it, this is a matchup that I think more than many other mirrors is unpleasant due to lockjaw specifically mm -hmm. and just how powerful it can be if one person has it and the other person does not. Yeah. So you say that this is one and lost partly in deck building. What are some deck building variations on this list that you've seen that you think that are effective in your eyes? Uh, they're I, the actually the number one player right now is doing She-Hulk Infinite and has been for a while. And I think that's a really fun variation because it does two things. One, it's unexpected. Sorry, I just blew up your spot, Sanutora. Uh, my apologies. Now everyone's going to know you play this, but has been doing that. And two, you end up in situations where your blob and their blob compete and you have more big shit. Makes sense. Um, one last thing to ask about. Oh, in terms of 
combating Thanos and not playing the deck. What what tools do you think are available in regards to archetypes, other decks that exist? Loki question mark. Loki question mark. Like I had a good time with Loki into Thanos on the hot location day with a hot location that benefited Thanos and didn't benefit me at all. Mm-hmm. Like it was basically just like I expect everyone to be playing Thanos. Let's see if we can beat it with Loki and we could. I don't know how sustainable that is because this Thanos deck is way better into Loki than any other Thanos deck ever has been because of blob asymmetry and because of lockjaw. So that's where I'm starting. I don't know if it'll work like specifically that blob asymmetry is like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ, because <laughs> like you normally when you play Loki into Thanos, you get their win cons and they're cheaper. But here you get like a lockjaw. It's useless for you. They keep pumping shit into lockjaw like they cheat just as hard as you now, right? Because their blob is bigger than your blob and they're pumping shit into lockjaw. So like, God fucking forbid they play a time stone on turn five because they're just dumping a stone into lockjaw and then also playing blob. And it's just like, that's actually just better than any turn I can get. If I Loki Quinjet your deck, it's just straight up better. Mm-hmm. And losing collector, obviously, you know, that sucks too. <laughs> that's not great either. Uh, and that is sort of where, where I ended up with, like, it doesn't feel like a great matchup, but it does feel like one that is winnable. And I don't have to retreat every time the Thanos player is like, I'm snapping on you. Yeah. I mean that Thanos has always been like that. I mean, to an extent in, in regards to the play patterns. And, and like you said, with the mirrors, like, unfortunately, Thanos lockjaw, that, that that's been my experience as well. Um, I, hated the list a long time ago and i still kind of hate it i love thanos <laughs> but thanos yep when you add that little thanos locked when you add that damn yeah. dog in there it's uh that's that's mm-hmm. when it gets bad um I, I would say i would definitely i'd be willing to hold my breath a little bit i'd hold my breath for a few more days to see if there is any development in the metagame um to see if we can push past this sort of being a myopic metagame center around lockjaw i've seen a lot of complaints but you know it's it's early days still it's early days it's <laughs> copium go all right all right cam well there's really not much else to talk about that past that i mean we had we had one of the most impactful patches in marvel snaps history i mean they go back and do some more bend and snap i don't have any more bend and snap i always it's yo wait can i it's curated that's horseshit why do you curate it hold on hold on (laughs) i i'm gonna go do bend and snap right now i'm gonna ask you questions I'm about to I'm about to bend and snap on you. Are you ready for this, dude? Uh, I wish you luck. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. All right. Uh okay. So I I have I just wanted to uh be be clear about this one. I wanted to I wanted to say this uh just so so we had Alex on the pod last time. I just wanted to read this one out from Johnny Prigioni. Uh, it's amazing how Alex went from a totally casual snap player to a real pro, both in terms of playing skill and analytics. I'm judging according to a podcast with Cozy and a few streams. As a highly competitive player myself, I remember not taking Alex too seriously when the game released, but I still stuck to his content and watched him changing. He's a pro player, and I actually highly value that he's still one league lower than the competitive pros like KM or Dara, Lambie, etc. One of the favorite snap content creators lately. Cheers from Toronto, and thank you guys for having him as a guest. Yeah, that, I just wanted to I just wanted a big, big shout out to Alex there here. I sent that comment to Alex shortly after we recorded that podcast. Um, yeah, I didn't bring it up on this week's Ben and Snap. And I, I'm, I guess this person would, wouldn't have known this if we hadn't, if you hadn't taken the wheel here. But that comment, that's a very nice comment. And uh, I, I know Alex very much appreciates that. That That is a that is quite a compliment. I think, a, you know, a lot of people can say things like, you know, normal compliments. Like they enjoy it. They're really nice guy, smart yeah. guy. But as a competitive player and someone that puts a lot of effort into a game like this, um, that sort of respect from your peers it, it means a lot. And that is a that is a glowing, uh, glowing comment. I know Alex appreciates it because he saw that one as well. So yeah, uh, here's here's one. Uh, I love that we're in a dumb guy meta comment. I am a believer that we can safely revert most nerfs after some time. Like with the current state of the game, OG Death Wave, I don't even think it would be a tier to a tier one deck right now. You're right. It was never a tier one. Okay, let's relax on that one. 
Kitty Pride being reverted to before Elsa came out and with Elsa in her last state. I don't think it's a crazy deck anymore. We don't need to revert Galactus or Eliath, but a lot of the power reduction they gave cards to curve of the meta at one time, I feel, can come back. I agree with this 100%. I think this is absolutely infinitely correct, and there are so many cards that I would like to see reverted. Elsa, Angela. Uh, I do think that I would want to revert Wave, but everyone would get mad at me if we actually did that, mm. so I, I won't do it. But I also think this sort of highlights how hard it is to be like a game dev, because it's not just like what happens if the environment you were testing in has a bunch of cards that get nerfed. It's also like what happens if the environment you were testing in did not have a card that got buffed, right? Mm. And just like, let's buff Angela, and then suddenly everything you tested just goes completely out the window, right? So I do think there's that. You know another card we could buff? Mm. Annihilus. You think so? Yeah, I mean, they went a little hard on him, I think. A little bit too I hard. I think he's still okay. Yeah, th- I don't know. I don't think they had to hit him as hard as they did, especially in the context of the current metagame. Like, they went a little bit hard, and I think that he could, he could come back a bit. I think he's fine. But- uh, yeah. Uh, I got one from Raven. Shout out to Raven. Uh, fun, fun Raven fact, actually. I once tried to do a deck tech with him when I went to Hong Kong. I recorded it. The whole thing was like 25 minutes. And I am in the airport, I believe, when I open my thing and start trying to edit it. And I did not record his audio. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel guilty about that shit five months later. Mm-hmm. I feel so bad. Anyway, shout out to Raven. Uh, great conversation overall. I agree with a lot of the discussion around monetization. With the data mine stuff, I understand that it can change on release, but if that is the problem, then why not put pricing slash gold amounts at zero and then change it to the real numbers on release? And talking about the, is this the right way for them? Yes, I agree that consumers are not helping this in any way. The amount of people that complain about bundle pricing or contents while posting pictures of them buying it is horrendous. Oh my God, thank you. <laughs> I see that so much. It's like, I can't believe I bought this crap. Like, what you are, what are you doing? (laughs) That's like a, I don't know if that's a meme. It's not, the funny thing is it's not a meme. People actually do that, but it's like people like me, people like uh, they make a meme out of it when they're actually engaging that, that activity unironically where they're like, holy shit, this is a robbery. I can't, I can't wait to buy it. I can't wait to get this variant. Um, but yeah, so in regards to what Raven said, I actually don't think that the bundle prices changing is the problem. I would really point to the bundle prices and the price of the game in general, um, especially mm. in regards to this, the current uh, you know uh, metagame and buff and nerf system. That's the problem. I, I w- the thing is, is like I really want to put an emphasis on the problem as in like the actual foundational problem because anything else is like if that gets fixed, it's not going to fix the systemic issue that's like really starting to weigh heavily on this game, in my opinion. I uh, also wanted to give a shout out to everyone who gave a comment that was like, Cam needs to shut the fuck up and stop interrupting people. No, <laughs> you can't make me. Uh, no, I mean, I, I am a very flawed podcaster. This is not my chosen medium. My chosen medium is the one where I talk for four hours to people typing, which obviously gives me a uh, it's not really where I am built for right now. And I love hearing myself talk. I will totally cop to that. It's something I got to work on and I have been working on. But, you know, that's on me. Also, I did actually, because of these comments, approach Alex about it. And he was like, I really don't know what they're talking about. It's just kind of hard to manage through people. So shout out to Alex for being very nice about it. I yeah. appreciate it. There's a, I mean, um, I don't think people appreciate how much better. Like, uh, I don't know. It's funny because I, I mean, obviously I read the comments, but I don't think if people appreciate how much better. Uh, I, I mean, in my opinion, how much better you've gotten at sort of podcasting and this just in general because not that it was super bad early on but i remember specifically this is this is the this is the interaction i had i wouldn't i wouldn't open the eight cubes episode recently like recently opened it up and you were more a host in there and i was actually i was like holy shit <laughs> i was like i did not sometimes i do that yeah it was actually it was i was very impressed of how dynamic uh how dynamic you were there because being a host and because I don't know if people notice this, but obviously there's there's roles in this podcast. I'm the host, Cam is a subject matter expert, but watching the the eight cubes, you're basically you know flipping the the, the roles a bit, yeah. which is which is pretty impressive. I, I, I don't know, I thought it was cool. I uh, I, uh, I I'm versatile. 
I'm not a top or a bottom. I'm both. No, God, <laughs> that, we're gonna, God, we're leaving that in there, aren't we? Jesus Christ. Okay. So from the human spider, main topic was maybe the best in the history of this podcast. I've been watching Marvel Snap videos since the first day of the beta, but what convinced me to download and play the game was a Jeff Hoagland video in which he said even free-to-play players can get all the cards except the last two season pass cards within seven months. After SD introduced Token Shop when I was almost Series 3 complete, I realized there isn't a light at the end of the tunnel. And with every in-game economy change, I asked myself if it was a mistake to start playing because now I'm still hooked for gameplay, but I'm not enjoying the game like I did before the game economy changed multiple times for the worse. And I think that's like a very understandable thing, but you should understand that the only reason the economy was good was because everyone was so mad at Nexus events that they scrapped entirely the ability to do anything, right? Like the economy was good then because we yelled at them so much that they got rid of the economy. <laughs> like They effectively just took every economy and monetization system out of the game, which put them in a position of every decision they would have to do to make money would by definition make the shit worse. Mm. And I, I I think that that is uh, like, while you are correct that that is true, it's just sort of unavoidable given what happened in the beta with how they originally planned to monetize it. And I'd imagine there are plenty of people who are listening that are unaware of this. They originally were going to monetize this game as a gotcha game. Mm -hmm. It was literally just, there was there were gotcha rolls where you would roll, it was like 1600 gold for a 10 pull. And the cards were in the, the box and you had to just roll until you got them. And everyone was like, holy shit, we hate this so much. Never fucking do this. We will quit the game. And my view is that they're like trying to like get to a place where the monetization is equivalent to that. But it's not literally that. OK, yeah, I was going to say a spotlight skidges or spotlight. No, they're, they're edging towards it. Don't <laughs> get me they're wrong. <laughs> they're definitely edging towards it. I don't know, it's pretty clear. Yeah, uh, um, but yeah, I yeah. Just funny anecdote. I actually watched that same video when I started playing Marvel Snap. Jeff Hoogland's really, uh, yeah, his economy video. I mean, he was really one of the main people making detailed content about the game, sort of breaking down the systems like that. Because I think we take for granted how much we understand about the game's like internal, like the systems and how it works, how you're supposed to save, and how cards are released, and how much they cost, and like how you become series complete. But back then, you didn't know shit. So I remember watching, yeah, I remember watching Jeff Hoogland's video, and I was being like, oh, it's actually not that bad. And then a couple thousand dollars later, I was like, what? Where, where am I? How did I get here? <laughs> <laughs> how did I get here? Oh, man. Uh, I also wanted to uh, find a final one I've got for you is um, bruh, Alex not sleeping is not funny. WTF. OK, it's one of those things where it's like. Objectively speaking, in a real world situation, it's not funny, but in the context of being a content creator, it's kind of funny. And also, I have absolutely no leg to stand on because at least he doesn't sleep to do his job. I didn't sleep to read fucking Wheel of Time. I don't get to <laughs> I don't get to criticize him anymore. My bad, Alex. I take it back. But for real, you know, keep an eye on your sleep. It's very important. Yeah, that was a that was an interesting part of the podcast. I saw this comment as well. So what? So while I don't I don't think it's funny. But what's funny about that situation is that uh, the reason I brought that up. It's because the last time mm -hmm. we talked to Alex, he said in a very yes. nonchalant way, he was like, yeah, I actually slept yes. three hours a night to do this. I was like, oh, that's fucking ridiculous. I was like, you should definitely. So just to revisit and to build some rapport, I touched back up on the subject. He was like, and instead of being like, you know, yeah, yeah. he's like, oh, it's actually a real problem. I'm going to work on that. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was not 100% ready for it. Like, oh, this is actually like a, yeah. So I agree. Um, I agree, but uh, I definitely wasn't trying to make fun of it at the time. I was just like, okay. Uh, I, I will also say I've got one more, which is someone saying that when Alex pointed out the when KM says like and laughs thing, it actually ruined the podcast for him. My brain was too focused on but like ha 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 ha. I had to stop watching. And to that, I say like. <laughs> yeah, um, it's the Alex. Alex was Mimi. So I across some other podcasts as well. Uh these things you can call them KMisms, Brendamisms. I get memed for this kind of shit all the time, bro. <laughs> like all is this normal? Yes, like all the time. All these things that you don't know. Like you're obviously aware that you say these things uh, after you know, making fun of that. Comment. I will be one hundred percent honest. 
I had no idea. Okay, I was going to say, there's so many things that I didn't know, words I overuse, like shit I do with my face, I don't know, and you figure it I out. I had no idea. Yeah. None. I knew I interrupted people, don't get me wrong. I That that I knew about myself. I'm obnoxious. But like into ha 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 ha, no idea. Yeah, I can, I can give uh, any viewers on YouTube something that will ruin the podcast for them. Um, okay. Watching me. So a lot of times I will, I will yawn with my mouth closed and it's just like, <laughs> I just, there's nothing I can fucking do about it. I'm sorry. It's like, I have to yawn. I'm not going to yawn with my mouth open, but you'll see my lower jaw like expand. <laughs> like a frog. That's <laughs> a yawn internally. And uh, yeah, the first person point that'll ruin it for you. You're going to see it. For, mm. Um, but yeah, I do that sometimes too, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. No, I mean, like, what are you going to do? Well, you can't actually yawn. So you just like half yawn and you're in your in your mouth. And if someone's perceptive, it looks even weirder than a normal yawn. Just- <laughs> <laughs> Good thing our viewers aren't perceptive. Yeah. Um, anyway, that concludes our Ben and Sap. You want to get yours read out next week? Shoot us a comment on YouTube. We'll get it queued up. All right. Well, if you listen to this podcast, you enjoy it. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps more than anything else. There's a video version of this on YouTube at youtube.com slash at the underscore snapshot. Hit the subscribe while you're there. Twitter's at BrendanAPG, KMBestMS. Uh, Cam is streaming in the evenings when he's not reading Wheel of yep. Time. Uh, I'm done. I'm done. I finished it. It's all over. I, I will say I have spent since I finished Wheel of Time, I have spent approximately eight hours uh, reading Robert Jordan's notes mm. and like <laughs> not even I'm not even really done. Like there's like some short stories involving in uh, in like just oh, God, it's not even spoilers. I don't know. Maybe edit that out. Actually, that's like actually Wheel of Time potential spoilers. That's funny. Maybe. It's, okay. It's what really you just to do, gibberish to me. <laughs> Right. You don't care, but like our audience might. So like do uh do do like a a sensor bar over that. Like just do like the the burp and and uh, uh over over the with the guy I said and the place he was. So that 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 should hopefully that should hopefully help it out. Uh but yeah. I uh there 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 are some like short stories to read. I've been crawling through like wikis that summarize the world like there's a book that was released about the world so like i'm not i'm not a hundred percent done i'm learning more and more and more and more you're just dip, you're dipping your toes in probably, right yeah i will eventually probably reread it yeah. but probably not immediately yeah just testing the water to see if you actually like it i see oh yeah all right yeah like after you're done for like eight hours just reading the author's notes normal things normal normal all right thank you all so much for listening we'll see you next week